from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Perrin from Rex.1. Perrin, it's nice to have you on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So excited for today's episode. Can you kick us off by telling me a bit about yourself as well as your company and you know what you guys are up to? Yeah, so I'm the chief marketing officer at Rex.1, which most people haven't heard. It's actually a parent brand for multiple companies. Three sister companies are all fairly small, but work interrelated. So we've got Rex Constructions, a small general contractor in the Chicago land area. Uh, we've got Rex Engineering, which does structural engineering, steel connection engineering, and also MEP, which is mechanical electrical plumbing. It's like all the utilities that are in a wall of a building. And then we have Rex Technology, which has two sub-brands on that is a software for steel connection engineering that we use in-house as well, but also we acquired SuperDroid robots last year. So that's been a, a big transformation we've been working on. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that as well today. So I've got a small team of one brand manager on the SuperDroid robot side, an in-house designer, and then there's me. So we all wear a lot of hats and we manage a lot of different things and across all the companies, but across all those companies, there's still about 75, 80 people. So kind of calls for short and wide, trying to build a strong foundation that we can then grow and have a little more dynamic companies. But the intent is to always have marketing, but also our other services like IT, HR, accounting is all centralized under that Rex.1 umbrella brand. Nice. I love that. So what's yeah. your story? How did you get into all this? And, uh, <laughs> uh, I actually started off as a designer. My degree is in graphic design and started intern at a small firm in New Orleans where I live. And literally I was the intern and employee number one, worked out of the owner's living room for a while. And I was there 14 years and the company grew whopping like 13 people. And I really grew in those roles. But one of the things I learned about five, eight years into the industry is I was an okay designer, but I started having interns that were better designers than me. But I quickly got into sales, which led into project management, which led me into marketing strategy. And I was a natural marketing strategy. I really enjoyed it. So I actually went and did more of the textbook side of things through SMPS, which is the Society of Marketing Professional Services, which is really focused on the architect, engineering, construction space, which was a niche I was developing was construction marketing. So learned that very much the textbook and the best practices, things there, combined what I was learning boots on the ground through the small firm. I really just I really enjoyed marketing and just took off from there. So I still occasionally have to hop in like InDesign and update a document or do some, certain things, but for the most part, brand strategy, marketing strategies, things like that is what I do day to day now. Nice. I love that. Let's talk about yeah. how you run marketing at the company. So uh, <laughs> you have a unique uh, strategy and yes. approach. Tell me about it. It's called a hybrid marketing department. So we are all in-house with all of our brands, but we run it like a small agency because that is my background. My first few career jobs was a small firm and then a larger firm, but still an agency and I didn't go internal so it was mid career. And it was actually, it was, it was interesting. The, the two owners of the company were asking me as they're interviewing me, what are you worried about? What are you, and I'm literally scared to go to one brand. Like I've been working dozens of brands for at the same time for years and this constant use that juggle, that excitement, things like that. And to go to one brand was a little scary. It worked out, it still did some consulting at that point on the side. And that was my special being construction marketing the IT firm that I went in house with to do marketing was a specialized construction. Actually, the ones who referred me into construction 15 years prior 
it was an interesting full circle moment there. So they allowed me to do consulting because some of my clients were becoming IT clients and it was very self-serving. We just had flexible time and all made that work. So I kept the ball juggling, got to have multiple brands, but when the time was done at that firm, we'd gone through a merger and three CEOs in five years. It was just kind of time to move on. Came across the LinkedIn connection at Rex and the CEO were talking and he had this, already had a couple companies with plans to add more to the portfolio and really my approach. And I'd made that comment and he's like, well, I'm looking for someone I can balance this idea of internal, but not have, but understand the balance of multiple brands and clients essentially. So even internally, we do call our brands clients and we have project kickoff meetings and things like that. And one day we might actually add outside clients that are not Rex is the intent. I don't need more of a marketing in the box, but I think it's really interesting is the one thing I didn't like you and I talked on a pre-call was what I don't like about agency life is that constant battle to go out and hunt for work. You're still spending 10, 20% of your work, either developing marketing materials to market your marketing firm or out doing sales or doing, I don't have to worry about that. I have a consistent pipeline. I know it's coming out of work. Um, but also I get being internal, we get to have that kind of granularity. I can go make a change on a website and check on it in a week and see if it makes a difference. We can do some, you know, AB testing and things like that. And one of the, the cool things for our client or our clients, our brands is we also share resources internally. So because we're all pushed to this one umbrella brand, I mentioned we share resources as in services, but we also share things like our tools. Like we're all in the same HubSpot instance. We're all in the same seamless. And there's certain tools that we purchase that are good for all of our brands that the marketing team will manage, but each one of them individually probably couldn't afford. You know, so that's another thing that's been really interesting to do. When there's a few tools that make sense just for one brand or another, or like lead for rent, we only have on one website. So it only really matters really just for SuperDroid. It doesn't matter so much for construction engineering. So. Mm, I love that. Have there been any major lessons learned <laughs> taking this approach? Like any things that worked <laughs> well or, hey, we tried this and it didn't work? <laughs> It's a different pace than most people that are internally. Anyone who's worked internally and in the externally more of the agency route, there's a speed that happens in an agency. And it's just this constant kind of, you feel like you're jumping on a train. When I started one of the firms, they literally said, that's the, men the mentality when you start onboarding with them is you're jumping on a train, a moving train. And it definitely feels like that. And this hybrid role is actually a little bit, but both like you, you feel like I've got one of my designers, my only designer, she, she likes the variety that we have, but understands she wouldn't like the speed that we would have to have. She would have, if we are true agency. One of the lessons you have to learn when you get out of college is you don't just have deadlines, you have budgets. So internally, I don't have much of budgets instead of trying to get a website done in a hundred hours, I can get it done. And if it's, we budget a hundred just for resource purposes but it runs 120 because we do a better job, no one's getting in trouble. We're not going to have that over budget meeting and we don't have that conversation with the client. We just there is a limited amount of resources and we try to be as efficient as we can with those resources that we can then go do more cool stuff. And you know, one of the things we adopted a couple of years ago was the scrum methodologies that we can run lean. And that helped us knock through some of the stuff that makes lower value, really prioritize high value, low risk type things. And you see a lot in the SaaS companies and tech, you were taking some of those, adopted those principles. And that's allowed us to do some stuff that's a little off the wall. And sometimes I, I use that, that to my team, look, we got really efficient here. Let me go have some fun over here. So for example, for back in March for SuperDroid, we did a 64 robot bracket challenge inspired by the NCAA men's and women's basketball. So literally picked 64 top robots like R2D2 versus Optimus Prime and just 
pushed it out and stuff. And it took a lot, way, way more time than we expected to do that. The cool thing is 90% of it's already done. So if we do it next year, it won't be such of a burden time-wise. And it was just fun. We thought it'd go a little more viral than it did. We didn't have as much traction as we thought, but even just internally, the team really enjoyed talking about robots and just battling it out and it gave us something to talk about. Even with prospects, we're like, instead of following up, I'm like, hey, where are you at with this proposal? It was a way for my business developer to go, hey, check this out, go check out our robot battle and just have some fun with the brand. That's one of the things we try to do with the robot brand in particular, just do something fun once a quarter. Love that, that's awesome. So any yeah. just general advice you have out there or you have for other marketing leaders out there, anything that's top of mind right now, advice-wise? I, one of the uh, we're working on right now is even just make, how do we make our website more user-friendly? Just you really try to think more on the, the user side. There's some technical terms like product market fit and really understanding the customer. We're taking a step back and have a team member really trying to talk to our customers, talk to our prospects, what's missing in the industry, things like that. And our CEO has actually given us freedom to potentially change our offering, not just on the robots, but engineering offering, construction offering. We're trying to, okay, what's missing in this industry? What, where can we, that? So we're having some questions like you go ask an architect, you know, why do you pick, not just why do you pick an MEP engineer, but what's the difference between a good and a great MEP engineer? things like that. And you start getting some really questions. What, what's a make or break on it? And it's somewhat kind of silly. It's like they return phone calls as the make or break. They respond to emails in a couple of days. That should be the, it should be known that should be there. But then we take that information. Okay. Now how do we prove that? Because that really should be just the standard across the industry. We know it's not. So how do we then prove that? And then how do we then excel it and build that out company wide? So of things, but it really comes down to this idea of really knowing your customer. And I think one of the things I'm seeing all of this towards the end of the year, so it's what's coming on for next year and you're probably seeing the same things on the marketing blogs is you know, personalization. And that's one of the things is the better you know your customers, the more you can then personalize and whether you're B2C or B2B, it doesn't really matter. And I think that's, I think it's easier for marketers, especially if you are external, you're once removed. And even I'm not, not really client facing in those parts with any of our customers at Rex, that you got to really know your customers. And it's more than just SurveyMonkey spreadsheets or uh, surveys and spreadsheets, you, you do need to talk to them um, or find people that can ex explain what's really going on and um, things like that. I think that's where a lot of marketers really go wrong is they forget who the buyers are. Absolutely. If you go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? Oh. Uh, life's not straightforward. It's just, I told you my degrees in design, I actually got into that because I wanted to be a 3D animator. I fell in love with Pixar when it came out with Toy Story. And, but right when that was coming out, there really wasn't school for that. I used design as the way in. It was something about my backfall. And when I was interning in college, I really loved the whole SMB and I can help Larry put food on the table versus see my name on the movie credits every three, four years. Like it just kind of changed what I like about things. So thinking I was going into my career to be a 3D animator and fell down to design and then becoming a marketing strategist and then even specializing in construction and tech, like life is not straightforward and just be open to things and be open to opportunities and, and you know, find what you're good at too. It's, I'm an okay designer. I'm not a great designer. I feel like I'm a pretty good brand strategist and I have some skills that are really unique with that. And I definitely wouldn't have guessed that early on. So. Love that. Any any final thoughts, words of wisdom as we wrap up the episode here today? 
marketing is this interesting blend of like art and science and you know whether you're external or internal you still have to actually show proof of what you're doing and that's one of the hard things i think we're really seeing is just marketing attribution what's the return on investment what's year end we're reevaluating re certain things we've done throughout the year revaluing just budgets we know we really want to do google adwords but are we spending in the right buckets the right ads which what's coming from it and now that we've added like lead forensics we get a little different granularity we know what companies are coming to us and so it's not just X amount of clicks or things like that. So I, I think that's one of the things is just really, how do you dig into that and try to see what's that return on investment? Cause you need to be able to speak to your executives, your clients in their language, which is generally business. You know, I think that's really the difference between most marketing directors and VPs and you know, chief marketing officers, this idea of understanding business. And if you understand how your company makes money, how they lose money, where they're going, you can start talking about like strategic planning like a lot of the marketing leaders that I know in the, the construction industry, architect, engineering construction, the ones that have gotten past that marketing director level are the ones actually doing the strategic planning. And they're the ones that are now getting a seat at the table. Like when I started in construction 20 years ago, I think there's one or two chief marketing officers in the whole industry. And now we're probably up maybe a hundred, which is still really small, as big as that industry is. It's very different than like a product marketing where everyone has that or tech where a tech company started with three people and they're all achieved something. So to have something like that, and that's a really also interesting because in construction marketing, the vast majority of marketers are female to have it on at the table and a construction, which is obviously very male dominated, but we're also seeing some of these female marketers becoming CEOs. I know at least three that have become CEOs of pretty large construction companies and they're a marketer, which is really interesting. It's because they understand the business. They understand where that's going. And, it's really exciting to see a company actually being led by a marketer, not just a CFO or some kind of chief legal officer becomes a CEO, things like that. And, you know, so I think really understanding not just how to be a good marketer, but how does your business make money? How does your business really grow is really a big key difference between kind of that mid-management and that executive level. Absolutely. I love that. It's been amazing to have you on. Thanks for yeah. sharing your wisdom insights here. It's much appreciated. I enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely.